Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. I want to talk about the Blackhawks. I know, like, watching them give up a ton of shots last night was a lot, not a lot of fun. But I wanted to reach out to one of my guys, James Naveau, who does a great job of, of covering the Blackhawks and does a great job with the Madhouse podcast. And he was nice enough to experiment with me today. We're actually doing today's podcast via Zoom. Oh, I forgot to do this, James. Do I have permission to record this? <laughs> yes, indeed, Lawrence, you do. All right, good. I wanted to make sure that, that I have permission to record it. So I wanted to start with what happened last night because that seemed like a barrage of shots that went towards Robin Leonard. I mean, what happened last night is what seems to have happened so many times this season. And we took a one-game break from it when the Blackhawks played the Kings on Sunday. But basically, the way I can boil it down best is that the Blackhawks defense is simply incapable of limiting high-quality scoring chances in the middle of the ice especially. And they're very prone to turning the puck over, which they did extensively last night. And then the problem is on the other end of the ice, you're not generating enough shots. The Blackhawks had three shots in the first period, had multiple power play opportunities that they completely squandered. And it was just kind of this like horrible confluence of what the team does poorly. And the result was what you saw last night when they played Nashville and they were absolutely dominated by the Predators. Basically, Robin Leonard prevented that from being a complete and total embarrassment. And instead, they ended up uh, limiting it to just a, man, that was a really bad game and we should probably burn the tape of it. Yeah, I, I thought that he was pretty honest after the game too. Like I enjoyed him saying, look, I, I, I wanted to, to help those guys out and they were doing their best, but it just seemed like you, every time you looked up, there was five more shots that the Predators were taking. Yeah, well, I mean, that was basically what happened when the Blackhawks played the Predators last season. They're just a very fast team. They have some really talented forwards, and obviously they're a team that's really predicated on their defense, and you saw that last night. They absolutely suffocated the Blackhawks all over the ice, especially when the Blackhawks were trying to bring the puck out of their own zone. Every single time they tried to do that, you saw the Predators forwards, especially just get super aggressive and really prevent them from getting any sort of a breakout from moving the puck at all over the blue line. And it ended up leading to several prolonged possessions where it looked like the Blackhawks were going to be able to carry the puck out and create something of their own. And the Predators showed exactly why they've been the Blackhawks kryptonite the last few seasons, starting with that playoff series victory all the way back in 2017. What do you think the guys in that dressing room think of Jeremy Colleton? See, that not that the million-dollar question? I feel like right now where they're at with him is that they think that there's something to his system, but I'm not sure that they like the way he's approaching things. I can't imagine the guys are particularly thrilled. The drama that's been going on with Brent Seabrook in recent days where he's been a healthy scratch the past two games for the Blackhawks, I think they get the idea of wanting to get a guy like Dennis Gilbert in the lineup. They get the idea of having to make an unpopular decision and maybe give Brent Seabrook a bit of a rest. But I think to do it two days in a row and to act like he basically doesn't have to answer to anybody about it, from what Brent Seabrook said, he did not speak to Jeremy Colleton when they scratched him for a second time. I don't know if that sat particularly well with the players. And I, I know that they're trying really hard to buy into Colleton's system, but if, by the same token – I wonder if the way he's treating some of his veterans, if that's going to start uh, grading on some of these guys the wrong way. I know you want to try to 
kind of be the guy in charge and you know you're going to have to make unpopular decisions in order to do that. But at the same time, I think there's a right way to do it. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe the players don't think that this is it. Yeah, it's got to be a delicate situation with, with a guy that's won some cups for you to, to not give him ice time because he's clearly diminished. But, but I, I want to know from your perspective, what type of player is Brent Seabrook and does he deserve an opportunity to try to play himself out of some of his bad play that we've seen over the last few months? I think that Jeremy Colleton has given uh, Brent a lot of room to kind of work his way through any issues that he's seen in his game. I, he's obviously lost a step in each of the last couple of seasons. I think anybody can see that he's a slower player than he was. The physicality isn't quite there, but the intelligence still is. And I think that that's why Colleton has given him his has given him, excuse me, some leash to kind of try to work through some of that stuff. But at the same time, Every point in the NHL is really important. And if you feel like you're a fringe NHL team, you have to try to ice the best six defensemen on a night-in, night-out basis. And I'm not saying Brent Seabrook definitively isn't one of the top six defensemen on this team. So I think, But I think Colleton's in this weird position where he has to try to ice his best lineup, and he wanted to get Slater Cuckoo and Dennis Gilbert in the lineup. And the best way that he could see to do that was to sit Brent Seabrook out the thing I think he's running into a problem with is he's not communicating that properly with his players. And so what I would say is that when you have a vocal leader like Brent Seabrook, who clearly still can think his way through a game, yeah, you can argue that he should have sat out on Sunday when they're playing three games in 72 hours. But I think to try to bench him back-to-back, -back, I think it's going to spark a little bit of a, a backlash, especially with the respect that Brent has in that locker room. So what's the right way to go about something like this, James? Like, how, how do you tell a, a guy that has won cups, who's played in big games, who's done some amazing things for a franchise, yeah, I understand that you're under contract and I understand who you are, but I need this ice time for people that are going to give us a better chance to win. See, what I would do is probably something similar to what he did with Corey Crawford, right? Like, Corey Crawford helped the Blackhawks win the 2013 and 2015 Stanley Cup uh, finals and he hasn't been on the ice recently because Robin Leonard's been playing so well look it's it's all about the guys who are going to be able to help you win on a night in night out basis and you're going with a hot goaltender right now in Robin Leonard that's just the fact of the matter now with the defense what I would say to Brent is look you're you know you're you're a solid stay-at-home defenseman but we need more offensive punch out of our blue line right now we need guys who are able to move the puck faster and we want to give the Dennis Gilberts of the world and the Slater Cuckoos of the world a chance to try to earn their stripes in the NHL and to develop their games we're going to we're going to sit you out we're going to see if these guys can do it we're going to bring you back into the lineup at some point I don't think that we've seen the last of Brent Seabrook or anything like that he's not going to be this team's seventh defenseman but I think what you're going to end up having to do is you're going to end up having to you know, just sit Brent down and tell him face-to-face. -face. And I know he's a competitor. I know he wants to be on the ice. You saw it in his comments uh, yesterday before the game. But by the same token, if you're thinking that you need to develop these guys or you need to try a different strategy, just be honest with him and talk to him about it face-to-face. -face. And I'm not sure that Jeremy Colleton did that. Do you think that there's any chance that he will waive his, his no-trade clause? 
I, I think there's a chance, but there's, there is a problem, and that is who on earth is going to want to take that contract on? Still has several years left at a very high salary cap level, and yeah, you might find a willing trade partner like a Vancouver or somebody like that, but is he going to want to go to a non-playoff contender and obviously get a, a chance to play every night, or is he going to hold out for something better? I think that's the big question, and we saw last year – Duncan Keith reportedly didn't want to waive his no-movement clause, and I think Brent Seabrook might do the same thing. When you have that, it's your, right, it's your right as a player to use it, and I would suspect he would if given the right circumstances, but I think it's going to be really difficult for the Blackhawks to find that proper fit. You've been talking about this for a while. You and Jay and everyone else who, who covers the Hawks the way that you guys do have talked about at some point guys are going to – not be able to live up to what their contracts are. Yes. So it looks as if we are there with a lot of the guys, especially, you know, Keith and Seabrook, although Keith has been all right, but we're, we're starting to get there with those guys. So what does that mean for the, the Blackhawks as a franchise? How do you get out of this type of, uh, of contract hell, considering what these guys have already done for your team? Well, I think the ultimate answer is you're probably, if you're really that concerned that these guys are not going to live up to their contracts, the $10.5 million guys like Kane and Taves and the longer-term deals that are still left with the Duncan Keiths and the Brent Seabrooks, the unpopular answer is you're going to kind of have to blow everything up, right? I mean, you're going to eventually have to get out from under some of that money. And yeah, you can you can get out from some salary cap issues by trading guys like Brandon Saad, who's making six million dollars. You can maybe trade Corey Crawford as a rental before the trade deadline and save some money. There is money that they are going to be able to kind of get out from under, but I also think that you're eventually going to have to part ways with one of those uh, high ticket players. Maybe a Patrick Kane trade, not necessarily in season, but toward the end of the season, you can still obviously get quite a bit for him. But I, I think they're going to have to end up making some really tough decisions, and I don't think they're going to be able to kind of slap some Band-Aids on this thing and call it a day. Now, it did help. They were able to get Alex Dabrinkit under a team-friendly extension for several seasons beyond this year. That's very helpful, but ultimately it's not going to be enough. I think they're going to have to move one of those big-ticket guys, and it's going to be a super unpopular thing to do from a, from a PR perspective. But it's ultimately going to probably have to be the right thing to do if you're really – that concern with those deals hampering your ability to compete in the future. Overall, how would, how would you assess how things have devolved for the Blackhawks over the last four years? See the thing, the thing that's kind of like, it's tough to say it just because, you know, it seems kind of lazy, but we all kind of saw some of these issues coming, you know, we saw the defense slowing down. We saw the forwards not being able to play, as dominant defensively as they did, especially in the early years of the Stanley Cup window where you just literally could not get shots against this team because not only were the defensemen blocking all of them, but the forwards were stealing the puck in the neutral zone all the time. That started to kind of fade after they won their third cup, and then it really started going downhill after they ended up getting swept out of the playoffs by Nashville where you really started to see, look, this team is starting to slow down a little bit. They're not as bit they're not as physical as they used to be. The goaltending wasn't as strong as it was. It's kind of rebounding a little bit now. 
but it's just been kind of this like slow de-evolution of this team from the height of their powers. And they haven't been able to fit guys into this system that are producing at the same level as they were back in 2010 and 2013. And part of that obviously is just guys getting older, but it's also the fact that basically every big ticket move you've ended up making hasn't worked out. I think we've seen some successes with Dylan Strom getting acquired via trade, but outside of that, it's just been move after move where the Blackhawks have, you know, expected these great things to happen and they just haven't. So that ultimately is going to fall on Stan Bowman. He hasn't been able to keep the contention window open. He hasn't been able to go out and get the players that he's needed to get to continue this uh, legacy that he created at the beginning of this whole thing. And it's just been kind of sad to watch because it's been like a, it's been like a slow motion train wreck, honestly. James, I appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for doing this, for experimenting and dealing with uh, all of the audio foibles that I'm having on my side of it. Your side sounds great. And I want to thank you for being on the podcast. And hopefully we've, we've now figured out a way to, to do this again and more frequently as it, as it permits. Hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit more uh, positively about the Blackhawks <laughs> next time. Like I, I saw you, we, we have a web link connection where I can kind of see Lawrence's reactions. And some of it was just plain like, Oh God, come on team. Why can't you do better? I saw it, Lawrence. I saw it in your eyes. You want them to be better. I know we all do, but man, there are some really uncomfortable truths that have to be kind of tackled about this team first. Yeah. I'm trying to convince Tony that he needs to go to a Blackhawks game because he's never seen one in person. And I don't, I want to try and take him to a game that they might win. I, and I don't want to see, I mean, he needs to see a hockey game live. Mm-hmm. I, I want him to see a game that the Hawks might be able to win. And it's, it's getting harder and harder as you look at the schedule and be like, Oh, well that might be a game that they'll win. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes they play up to their competition. You never know, man. They, they're an interesting bunch this year. You never quite know what you're going to get with them. Although that's not really going to be a selling point to Tony, is it? No, it's not. But he'll just, you know what? It'll be, it'll be loud and it'll be bright. And he'll be like, wow, hockey's great. Because <laughs> hockey is great. Just Blackhawks hockey right now is not great. No, uh, you're, so- you're exactly right, my friend. James, thank you so much for doing this, man. I appreciate you playing guinea pig with me. <laughs> no problem, Lawrence. Anytime. That is James Naveau. You can check out his work at NBC Chicago. You can also check him out on the Madhouse podcast. He and our buddy Jay Zawoski do a great job talking Hawks on that podcast. I highly recommend that you you subscribe to that if you're a big Hawks fan and you give it a five-star rating because those guys deserve it. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I appreciate your support for Loho Daily. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.